0: Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, well welcome to episode 100 of the OCR Underground Show. This is Mike Diebler. As always, thank you so much for joining me and making this a part of your OCR training routine. If you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, head on over to OCRUnderground.com slash episode dash uh, 100. Well, I can't believe it is episode 100, and it's amazing how that just kind of snuck up. And I was hoping to do kind of a best of series and, and take a few of my favorite um, episodes and clips and put it all together. Uh, and I probably still will do that. I just didn't have time to get that done. Um I've been kind of on a whirlwind. It was our kids' spring break uh last week, so we took them to uh Hawaii went to the big island, which had never been there before and it was uh awesome as many people say it's it's like kind of like being on a different planet with all the lava rock and um just the the different climates and it's a really cool cool place uh cool hiking and snorkeling and all that good stuff so it was um nice to uh kind of take a break head out there with the kids and, and just uh, have fun for a few days. And then uh got back and um, you may not know this about me, but I'm a huge college basketball fan and went to the University of Connecticut. So as they made it to the final four, I was getting pretty excited and had a bunch of buddies uh, in Houston for the game, trying to convince me to go for the final four game. But I didn't have it in me to fly out that morning, the day after we got back from Hawaii, but after they uh, beat Miami, I, uh, I couldn't resist and how to get tickets out there, so I met up with them for at least the championship game. Uh, a lot of people asked if I was torn, UConn versus San Diego State, living in San Diego. Well, went to UConn, but um, while well, I cheered for San Diego State every other game. Uh, I was all in with uh, with the huskies and uh, super excited how it turned out. And actually, this was the second time I got to watch UConn uh, win the national championship. Um, so just a just an awesome experience and uh, and have fun. And uh, obviously, staying up late and partying with old college buddies, and and now back and trying to get back into uh, some kind of routine again, which has been proven pretty difficult. Just feel like I've been catching up all week on uh, after taking a week off, just feeling pretty far behind and, um, and very, very tired this week. Uh, so I feel like I'm, I'm finally kind of getting back to it. And uh, uh, I'd love to get back on a, a training routine because uh, while well, I got some workouts while we were in Hawaii um, and um, a little bit when we got back, it's been very sporadic, so it will be super exciting to get back on some type of normal routine again. But totally worth it. Um, as much as uh, I was exhausted, both trips were just so much fun and uh, just a, a nice little break, and um, you know, just just a great experience to to be able to do something like that. So, um, but. Just as excited to get back to it. So it's it's I've been wanting to get this episode out for a while, but uh, definitely wanted to take some time off and uh, just have some fun with the family. So I wanted to put this together as as quickly as I could to get some some good info out for for you all listening. And uh, in today's episode, uh, I'm going to talk about some research on uh, some two different types of periodization so how you set up your uh, training program and looked at mixed sessions versus block sessions so i'm going to talk all about what that is specifically and and maybe something you should consider changing up with your uh, training routine Uh, also uh, in inside mike's mind segment i'm going to go over a three-step process for improving mobility so if you you see you have some issues with uh Gaining some mobility in certain joints, this this three-step process will work really at any joint. So just have to to plug and play, and hopefully see some improvements in your uh, mobility. And then finally, in my research, I have a very special guest on Dr. Robert Wolf. Uh, Dr. Robert Wolf is the co-founder of the Amino Company, one of the sponsors of the show, and he is a leading researcher in. Uh, essential amino acids and has a just a, a vast background of knowledge and experience and uh, it was great chatting with him and really going in a, a lot of different directions on how amino acids what they do how they help um, we got into research from uh, from army rangers to endurance athletes to older population uh, and, and really just showing how this is a, a really cool thing you should be paying attention to to help out whether it's with training or just uh, health, and longevity, so really cool interview with uh, Dr. Robert Wolf. Uh, before we get into uh, today's episode, though, I want to take a minute and let you know about our sponsors of the show. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by FitTrack. And FitTrack, Dara Scale, and App have been a part of my daily routine for really quite some time now. Uh, I'm a big data-driven person. I love training, uh, tracking my training and i love tracking my results and i want to make sure that all the hard work i'm putting in for my training and nutrition are paying off and the dar scale is a simple way to help me stay on track and make smarter exercise and nutrition decisions Uh, dar is easy to use comprehensive and accurate scale that gives you 17 health metrics to monitor including body fat bmr your metabolic age Body water percentage, bone mass, and much more. It's easy to understand and explain what each metric means specifically for you and how you rate based on your current situation. Uh, The app features progress reports, health scores, nutrition logs, and even uh, some exercising and workout videos. Uh, The Fit Track helps you get a comprehensive picture of your body, which helps you make smarter choices that can have a significant impact on your body composition and performance goals. I love knowing how my nutritional choices and workout routines are specifically making changes for better or worse in my body that I can track each day. Uh, right now, the DaraScale is 50% off on their website, but you can actually get an extra 20% off when you use my code OCR Underground. Just visit getfittrack.com and start measuring your progress today. I also want to let you know about the amino company. I mentioned I'll be interviewing uh, Dr. Robert Wolf. Um, But they are uh, a new sponsor of the show, and um, I love the one-two punch combo of their Perform product for my pre-workout and the Heal as a post-workout, and that's actually something we're going to talk about in the interview today. Uh, Perform has been shown to improve muscle performance, reduce fatigue and recovery times, and increase training effects from workouts, uh, while Heal is clinically proven to help manage inflammation levels and three times more efficient at triggering muscle growth and repair than other protein sources sources and both are keto friendly soy free vegetarian gluten free and non gmo if you're looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting peak athletic performance and maximizing training effects i highly recommend checking out the amino company and their uh, different essential amino acid products right now you can get 30% off when you visit aminocode.com/ocr and use the discount code OCR at checkout. All right, well, let's get into today's episode. In today's research review, we're gonna look at a study that compared two different training protocols for resistance training. So they looked at something that's called block periodization and something that's called uh, mixed session periodization. Or sometimes you'll hear undulating periodization as well. And essentially what this is, it's two ways to progress your training program. So block periodizations, is um, a little more traditional, kind of a linear periodization. So you essentially progress from lower intensity to higher intensity. And each training phase focuses on a specific goal. So you kind of block out each goal. So, uh, for example, you might start, and actually how this study did it, you might do more of a, um, a hypertrophy phase in the beginning, something you're trying to do more moderate weight, moderate volume, trying to build as much muscle mass as possible in that phase. Uh, after time in that phase, you will progress to maybe a strength protocol where now you're going to be doing more higher intensity effort and really look looking to build as much strength as possible and then you might follow that with some power training where you're trying to become now that you're as big as you can get you're as strong as you can get you want to be as explosive as you can get so that's kind of a common uh, way to progress a program so that's exactly what they did in this study for the uh the subjects that did the block uh, periodization they it was a 10-week study So weeks one through four, they focused on hypertrophy. So they were doing 10 sets of 10 reps. So moderate intensity. And they did this five days a week of different exercises. And then they went into a strength phase. So that was weeks five through eight, where they focused on six sets of three reps, Um, So doing, you know, major compound movements to try and build as much strength as possible. And then they finished it with the last two weeks of power training where they were doing more explosive. work. So things like bench press throws and box jumps and Olympic lifts and and things like that. So that was the protocol that the block periodization group followed the uh, mixed session group did a little bit of everything every session. So they tried to match volume as close as they could. uh, But for the entire 10 weeks, they did a little bit of hypertrophy, a little bit of strength, a little bit of power in every single session they did. So they still trained five days a week. But in a single session, you might see something like box jumps for uh, developing power, maybe some bench press for developing strength, and then maybe like cable tricep extensions or dumbbell flies for uh, building muscle uh, so that was ha- how they set up theirs and they wanted to compare just different aspects of, of training and see which uh, which of these work the best over the uh, 10 weeks so they had a, a few significant differences between the, the different groups um, for example in the, um, the mixed group, so the group that was doing the different types of, of training every single session, they saw some of the best improvements in free fat mass, so building muscle. Uh, in particular, they found the puts and the, uh, the, the uh, vastus lateralis, so part of the quads that they measured, uh, saw the biggest improvements in, in fat-free mass, so improving body composition. Um, they saw the best improvements in uh, bench press max, um, so uh, they, they essentially saw some better increases in muscle size for where they measured and muscular strength, which was pretty significant. And in the block group, they saw the best improvements in vertical jump compared to the mixed group. Uh, so they didn't see any significant differences between perceived training load or training volume, uh, things like that. So for the most part, it was it was pretty equal. So, uh, so the end result. They they uh, they concluded that the mixed session periodization may enhance muscle hypertrophy and max uh, maximum strength greater than this block periodization with the same training uh, volume and training load, um, but the block periodization might be more effective for vertical jump. So uh, interesting study, and and I'll admit I'm a fan of this mixed session. I think usually. Um, but I want to talk about, you know, maybe when you might want to use one or the other because uh, they're both going to be important to to use throughout your your uh, your training session. So uh, one thing I do want to point out: this was done in trained subjects, so these are people who had been working out for a while. Now uh, it might be that some of them were already doing that block training because that's kind of more common, and so just switching it up to a mixed. Uh, session was enough to spark more more adaptations than they were used to because maybe they've been training the same way for a long time and just any change uh, helped uh, get that adaptation going there um, the other thing I do want to point out it, it is only a 10-week study it's not very long so for a lot of these changes that we're looking for it's, it's kind of hard to measure in in just 10 weeks and uh, when you think about it the block group was only spending a few weeks in each of these different sessions where the mixed group was doing a little bit for hypertrophy that entire time, was doing a little bit for strength that entire time. So it was interesting that the other, the block group saw the best increases in power. Um, and that could be because that is a very uh, neuromuscular development. That, that's the brain and the muscles working together. And it does require a lot of attention. So maybe because they had the two weeks just to focus on that one thing, They saw the best improvements in power, Um, but things like strength and and hypertrophy take a little bit of uh, of time to develop, so um, the the 10 weeks was needed to see uh, uh, that type of of improvement. So if you have a shorter period of time and you want to get as much out of it as possible, you might want to lean towards this mixed group because you'll probably see a, a faster development than maybe uh, the block periodization because that it it just takes a long time for that to develop. So um, one one way I like to set up, and again I like to look at programs, you know, really over a year, not just over a couple weeks. And I know I talk a lot about you know in season and um, and off season training, and this is a, a simple way that I like to do it, and pretty much do it um, for most of my clients and myself when I'm going to write a program up when I'm in my off season. I'm going to do more of this block periodization because I can devote a lot more time to each of these specific goals. So if you gave me eight weeks just to work on hypertrophy, I think that's the best way you're going to do it or strength or whatever the goal might be. So if I can spend a long time working on each of these goals, I think you're going to get more out of it in the long run. Yes, it's going to take more time to develop. But if you have time, I think that's the way to go. And then once you get in season, we want to maintain all of that as much as possible. And and if we can get a few more gains, that's great. But I like that mixed uh, set type of training. So I think that's the best way we can utilize these. And I don't like to think of it as either or I think we want to use both of these different types of training. So think about your program. Do you, when you look at the sets and the reps, are you kind of stuck in the same thing where you just do like five sets of five or three sets of 10, and that's what you do every single day and all you do? Um, That's okay if you're in that type of phase, but maybe start to think, how can we manipulate this a little bit? So maybe I start with like three sets of 10, and then I move down to four sets of eight and then five sets of five. Um, And I do that each of those, like four to eight weeks of training. And, uh, and then I, I I see how I progress with that. And then once I get into kind of the the bulk of my training season, now I'm going to get into, I want to do a little bit of power work and want to do a little bit of strength work. I want to do a little bit of muscle building work and each session I'm going to have as much as possible. So, um, and, and, you know, just think about how you can mix up your program. Maybe all you do is the mix session. Right? And maybe you want to change it up a little bit because you've been doing that for, for a while. So I think there's a lot of ways we can interpret these results. Um, but hopefully that, that makes sense and kind of gives you some insight on how you might want to start putting together your uh, strength training program based on where you are in your season and where you are in your training cycle. All right, everyone. Today I have a very special guest on the podcast that I know you're all going to get a ton of great information to help you train harder and recover faster. I'm here with Dr. Robert Wolf, and we're going to take a deep dive into essential amino acids and what they can do for performance and recovery. Dr. Wolf is the director of the Center of Translation Research in Aging and Longevity at the Reynolds Institute on Aging and professor of geriatrics at the University of Arkansas for Medical Science Sciences. He has published over 500 peer-reviewed research articles, scientific reviews, and book chapters, which have been cited over 50,000 times in other scientific papers. Uh, He's also the co-founder and lead scientist for the Amino Company. And not only does he have an extensive background in research, he was a a competitive endurance athlete who set national age group records and has completed 62 marathons in under two and a half hours, which is incredibly impressive. Uh, so I'm honored and excited to welcome Dr. Wolf to the show today. How's it going?
1: Good. Thanks for having me.
0: my my pleasure. Um, I, I love this topic. i I love talking science, but you obviously obviously have a uh, an extensive background in research, but also practical, right? You're you're out there and, uh, and doing the work. So it's, it's great to see those two things, uh, combined. So I love, um, I, I, like I said, you have a a very impressive background, but I'd love to know just kind of what, what made you focus on this particular area with, uh, with amino acids and, and performance and, and, uh, and recovery.
1: Sure. Well, at, uh, all kind of started with my uh, early days of my career at Harvard Medical School, where I worked at Shriners Hospital for severely burned children. And uh, the uh, early days of the work really focused more on survival. The average burn size in these kids were 70% third-degree burn, so really major injuries. But uh, through Uh, A number of studies and approaches, we uh, kind of got the basic nutrition down to uh, help them survive, and the survival rate over a period of a few years increased to where uh, most kids we had survived the uh, initial trauma, Uh, but the the stress caused a tremendous loss of muscle mass and uh, muscle function in particular, so that these kids would... uh, get out of the hospital. And of course, scarring was an issue. But uh, the other aspect, they had lost so much muscle strength and function that they really couldn't rejoin their uh, fellow uh, uh, classmates in recess or do anything physical. And it would take years before they ever really got back on track. And so it really coincided with my sort of hobby of of endurance uh, uh, sports to really dive deep into what uh, the causes of these such a debilitating response to trauma was and in the early days of those studies uh uh, this was back in uh, when we really only first started knowing about glycogen and and the role it played in glycogen depletion and so forth they really focused much more on energy metabolism than on protein or amino acids and, uh and that certainly played a role in in uh in in enabling a, uh, acute response to exercise but over the long term in terms of rehab from any kind of severe injury or even after one uh, hard workout it became evident to me that the major things that we really had to deal with was the breakdown of muscle protein the the actual fibers that contracted to uh, enable us to exercise and that and that, that was the area that really needed to be focused on. And in that light, that led me down the pathway to, uh, to better understand the mechanisms that whereby the uh, amino acids, and particularly essential amino acids in the diet, uh, modulated the response to trauma and stress and, and enabled us to uh, get back into a functional mode uh, more rapidly than, uh, than had been appreciated previously.
0: Yeah. So I think we maybe we should actually talk amino acids before we go too far. And I think most people at least have a general idea. But maybe you can just a quick little background on protein versus amino acids versus essential or non-essential amino acids, just so everybody's kind of understanding everything we'll talk about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The there are 20 there are thousands maybe over 3,000 different proteins in the body and they're all composed of amino acids. The amino acids are the building blocks of the protein and they're all in a very specific order in the protein uh, out of these amino acids, nine of them are called essential amino acids because they can't be produced in the body and therefore have to be ingested as part of the dietary intake. and in fact they really the essential amino acids are the only, Uh, macronutrients that have to be eaten for survival, so that these are uh, required to to produce new proteins in the body as older ones are broken down. Uh, The dietary protein is intact as it's uh, eaten, and then as it goes through the digestive process, uh, uh, enzymes are released, and uh, the protein is broken down to the component amino acids, and those amino acids are absorbed over a period of time and uh, those uh, amino acids particularly the essential amino acids in the dietary protein are then used as uh, fuel for the production of new muscle protein the reason new muscle protein has to be produced is that the muscle as well as all the other proteins in the body are in a constant state of turnover where the muscle protein is being broken down and then new better functioning muscle fibers are produced to, to compensate for the loss of the uh, older, uh, less efficient muscle protein. We call this muscle protein turnover. And uh, of course, since the essential amino acids are required to produce the new protein and they can't be produced in the body, they have to come from the diet. So in a general sense, that uh, is uh, the distinction of the essential amino acids and, and the general term essential, you know, kind of gives a, a tip to the fact that, that they're important to eat. And in fact, we have dietary requirements for every essential amino acid, all of the nine essential amino acids, how many, what's the minimal amount of essential amino acids that are necessary to uh, fuel this process of uh, muscle protein turnover without losing muscle mass over time. But uh, what my research focused on really was uh, optimizing the essential amino acids that we uh, consume, not only in terms of uh the amount of the total essential amino acids, but the profile of the amino acids, how that coincided with the actual metabolism of muscle protein and also the format in which they're eaten so that they would be absorbed rapidly and incorporated into the muscle protein. So, that, so we're really looking at the optimal uh, amino acid nutrition uh, and, and how that uh, can help us recover from severely uh, stressful exercise as opposed to just the minimal requirement necessary to avoid a loss over time and in, in, in uh, just sedentary circumstances.
0: Yeah, I, and I think uh, you said a couple really key points there, and um, I like using that word optimal, because I think what most people tend to see or maybe gets talked about a lot is that minimal, right, where it's just enough to maybe function, but in in terms of what we're looking for to maximize things, uh, we're really looking for that optimal amount. And um, you mentioned profile. So uh, I think that's a great thing to maybe uh, explain a little bit more. So when you say uh, amino acid profile, I think a lot of people might be under the assumption if I eat protein, I'm eating protein, right? And that's, I'm going to get everything I need, as long as I eat my chicken breast or or whatever, source it might be Could, can you explain just what you mean by profile
1: sure the pro that of the nine amino acids in the uh in the uh essential category they uh there are different amounts that are required and for example leucine is one of the essential amino acids and leucine is the most abundant amino acid uh, essential amino acid in muscle protein so I mean need more of leucine than you do of tryptophan for example which is, in a very low quantity, also an essential amino acid, but in a low quantity in the muscle protein. And uh, my research focused on the optimal profile of these different uh, essential amino acids and how they related to the stimulation of the whole process of regeneration of the muscle protein. And there is no dietary protein that actually replicates the optimal formulation of the essential amino acids. one that comes the closest is whey protein, which uh, does provide benefit. But I think that there's, uh, but but there again, most of our studies have been uh, comparing whey protein versus the essential amino acid uh, formulations. and at the at the minimal, that we see at least a threefold better response to the formulations that we have generated ourselves, as opposed to the beneficial effect of whey protein. And in fact. What we found actually is that uh, that the essential amino acids combined with whey protein can form even a more potent uh, combination in endurance athletes than uh, than even just an amino acid formulation alone. And the, the other thing that I'd like to just touch on uh, is that uh, it's not an either or proposition that the dietary supplements that uh, that I've developed are not meant to be in lieu of an adequate dietary protein intake. they're meant to be t- uh, to be consumed in concert with an optimal dietary protein intake as well as uh, nutri- other nutrient intake so that uh, so that these are are truly meant as dietary supplements to to better utilize the dietary protein that we have uh, 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 ingested. For example with whey protein, the addition of the uh, proper amount and formulation of essential amino acids with the whey protein can almost triple the effectiveness of the whey protein alone. And uh, this has been a a key approach to the uh, rehabilitation of muscle after severe workout or or, uh, injury, that, that it's a combination of both the essential amino acids and whey protein, which gets the benefit of the intact protein, but also with the essential amino acids, we're able to reformulate the total profile of the different individual amino acids to more better suit the actual requirements for muscle protein production.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, refreshing to hear because I think, you know, you, you we're all exposed to marketing and and claims that this thing, this pill, this powder uh, is what you need, right, to be successful and, and that's it. And I think, you know, supplements should be like like you said they're supplements right they're adding almost like boosting what hopefully you're getting with that that proper uh, nutrition and um what i i I know i want to get into specifically with athletic performance but i also work with a lot of um older clients and i know protein is something that it's obviously very important the needs are, are going up as they get older um and sometimes it's just hard to get it the adequate amounts through diet alone, and recommending to add essential amino acids with a meal, it seems to be a very effective way to help them at least hit some of those numbers that they're just having a hard time doing otherwise. So I don't know if you have, um, you know, much input on on maybe doing something like that. And for that population, just, hey, I'm not getting enough protein, and I can't seem to do it with diet alone.
1: Yeah, well, uh, that's a great point. And I, I work at the largest geriatric clinic in the country. And uh, that's been one of the major focuses, the uh, uh, optimal protein nutrition. And and uh, as as we get older, there's kind of a double whammy because it's pretty well established that you need more dietary protein, that the, there's what we call an anabolic resistance, meaning that the amount of dietary protein needed to maintain a muscle mass in a young, healthy person isn't as effective in an older person, and, and the requirement actually goes up. And yet, if we look at dietary habits, uh, the actual consumption of dietary protein goes down with aging, particularly high quality dietary protein. And this is due to a number of factors, including change of taste preference, the chewing difficulty for meat and, and things like that, cooking uh, costs, uh what, People read in the literature, and and you know who knows what. There's a lot of reasons to explain that, uh, but uh, but we've done quite a bit of studies, both acutely measuring the the effectiveness of of adding an essential amino acid supplement to the diet of older people, healthy as well as with heart failure, uh, on the process of protein synthesis, but more importantly on the outcome of what happens. Physically, when you do increase the essential amino acid intake in older people, we've done it in both healthy individuals as well as uh, uh, older individuals with heart failure, and we've shown significant increase, uh, a uniform significant increase in in hundreds of patients in the amount of exercise that can be performed after 12 weeks of dietary supplementation with essential amino acids. that the magnitude of increase that we have been able to to achieve in heart failure, for example, is about exactly the same as the amount of increase with an extensive one-on-one exercise program over the same time period. And we we consider this an important point because although now it's well proven that the exercise program is effective in in, um, maintaining or even improving physical function, uh, it's also unfortunately well established that older people don't stick with the exercise program and that that the uh, uh, nutrition really needs to be effective in in individuals who are not even uh, doing any kind of exercise at all. And so that's why our studies have really focused just on not affecting any component of the daily life other than improving the, the protein quality by adding an essential amino acid supplement specifically designed for older people. And uh, the result of that, as I said, has been an, an actual measurable increase in muscle strength and physical function.
0: Oh, so just to, to um, recap that, uh, what you were able to accomplish is just by just by adding uh, an amino acid supplement, uh, they were able to see improvements in muscle muscle growth
1: both muscle mass and muscle strength and function, which really is, particularly as you get older, you know, older people aren't really that interested in going to the beach to show off their muscles. So that What really matters is, is how well can they uh, actually function. And and uh, that's really been the key endpoint that we've used. And uh, and this uh, finding has been replicated by others as well. Uh, and now, again, I should say, as with dietary protein, this isn't one of the key aspects of the supplements is, is to uh, uh, get the biggest bang for the buck, so to speak, because we don't want to limit, the di- have, a, have the dietary supplement uh, limit the dietary intake of regular protein or other meals, so that uh, that's been a real uh, key point of having a very low-cal, very uh, dense uh, formulation, so that it's, uh, one small drink can be taken and that this isn't gonna have any detrimental effect on diet, appetite, or uh, the response to the meal as well. So that uh, that's a crucial factor because, uh, you know, the traditional dietary supplements like Ensure and Boost have been shown to uh, have an impact on decreasing the rest of the dietary intake. And so they really come out pretty much even uh, as if you didn't take the supplement at all. But with our supplements, it, it, it adds up on top of the uh, normal dietary intake and doesn't have any negative impact on that. And, and I think that's an important aspect that we, and, and with older people, it's really important because not only is the nutrition important, but meal feeding is really uh, an important social aspect for most older people where they really don't, uh, if they, if they're not eating meals properly, then they're really not socializing with others often. And, and that's an important aspect of quality of life as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I I just think that's, um, we, we probably all have those people in our life that maybe, yeah, they'll, they'll never exercise, or maybe I shouldn't say never, but it's just not a part of their lifestyle, but, uh, maybe recommending or helping them implement a habit like this is a great starting point. And hopefully they can add in and get the benefits of both, but at least it's an easy thing that, that, um, hopefully most people can do. Um, actually I sent, um, my dad uh some of the uh the heel formulation because he just had um knee replacement his second knee replacement and he had a trouble the first time through and I was hoping to to help him a little bit more and uh he was a big exerciser and obviously he's gonna have to take a step back and uh I wanted to do everything for him knowing hey you're not going to be doing what you are used to doing anymore and let's Let's do everything possible, at least from a dietary standpoint and the supplement standpoint to to help in this process and get him through it uh, as, as best that, as he can. So, so far, so good with with that whole process. So um, I just think these are easy things that anybody can can implement just to start.
1: Yeah, And one of the things that's been interesting as well is that when you provide the uh, the dietary supplements, heal is a, is really the key one as far as rehab that uh, energy level is increased, and and generally speaking, it becomes uh, a little easier to do the exercise, so there's kind of a synergistic effect between the rehab exercises and the nutrition, such that, uh, that maybe not all the beneficial effect is directly due to the amino acids, but the amino acids make you feel a little more energetic and a little stronger, which enable you to do a little better job with the rehab, so I think that the there's definitely an interaction between then the exercises that are uh uh that you go through in the process of rehab and the uh 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 proper nutrition uh, the EAA uh, formulations to really uh maximize the response as well as to give you the energy to actually do the rehab
0: yeah absolutely and and kind of to build off that point too just maybe a good recommendation in general is you know we get hurt And uh, we might have to maybe not like a surgery necessarily, but something that is going to take us away from our normal training for for an extended period of time. Uh, It seems, again, like it makes sense to add something like this to at least help maintain or uh, do everything possible. So when you are ready to get back to your normal training routine, um, you're more likely to, to 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 pick it back up quickly again.
1: Right well one of the things that my research showed in the burn kids and to the extreme but but it's true with uh any sort of injury is that uh a physical stress really uh it's not just the layoff that that uh, is a problem as far as your muscle mass and strength but there's a what's called the catabolic response to stress where when you ha- have a stressful injury the muscle breakdown actually uh accelerates to provide the amino acids that the wound healing needs to uh, regenerate new tissue. And this makes the uh, response of the muscle even harder to uh, overcome than just rest alone. And we've done studies with just forced bed rest for prolonged periods of time versus the response with uh, actual physical exertion and stress. And the two are, not, they're, they're, the, the inactivity is part of it, But there's also this response to stress, which is part of it as well. And so it really becomes crucial in the uh, recovery period to overcome that stress response by giving the appropriate nutrition that's been tailored specifically to, uh, to deal with the metabolic alteration that occurs as a result of the response to stress in general.
0: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I mean, that makes sense though. Essentially we have so much energy um, and if there is some type of stress occurring on the body like an injury the body's got to spend its resources there and that's going to take up most of that that uh su- limited supply
1: exactly that's always going to take the priority and 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 it should because you want to recover and you know and as you said it's if you're an endurance athlete all your life uh recovery from injury is definitely part of it I mean I I can speak, speak for myself of having, uh, in fact, I'm just recovering now from a hip replacement. And it's the second one. And uh, I've had uh, probably six or seven different surgeries. And a lot of them, I think, are related not because I do have always done the endurance sports, but uh, that I want to continue doing them and that uh, other people my age maybe wouldn't have had the same surgeries because they're not as determined to uh, keep doing you know i just kind of laughed to myself when you said that you know you're telling your dad well you won't be able to do as much because i've never really accepted that and uh <laughs> after <laughs> after my first tip replacement which was 15 years ago I, I was able to come back and uh and and regain uh, really complete function and so i'm optimistic now even at, i'm 76 but i still think i can get back to where i'm uh able to at least uh uh, I mean, I have limited uh, expectations, but but I'm not willing to just say, "Well, that's it." I'm through with doing any yeah. kind of endurance sports. So uh, uh, that's where the recovery really is uh, crucial. That that we accept the fact that uh, that we really need to optimize the uh, nutritional support, even if you're doing all the exercises.
0: Yeah, and, and I should clarify. I'm I'm just uh, my dad's probably not going to listen to me, but. I'm at least saying saying the piece and then he's gonna do what he does and uh hopefully uh nothing too too crazy but absolutely um I, I so I, I'd love to talk on the performance side of this too. I know you were mentioning some research you've done with the uh the Army Rangers and I'd love to hear a little bit about what what specifically you were doing there and and found out
1: yeah, one of the uh uh the 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 Ranger training, Involves a lot of very stressful things, but but one of the most uh, uh, difficult is uh, a five day trial where they really kept up uh, almost twenty four hours a day for five days, doing all sorts of different uh, physical uh, uh, tasks. And uh, in this training period, we found in the in the early studies that there was a tremendous loss of muscle mass that the uh, that the uh, trainees are unable to consume anywhere near enough calories to balance what their expenditure is. And they're doing, you know, really strenuous physical exercise and the combination of the two really results in a very big loss of muscle mass. A part of maintaining your muscle mass is not just the essential amino acids, but also adequate energy intake to match your energy expenditure. And they're coming up short in both regards. And, uh, we compared a placebo with an, a caloric equivalent to the heel uh, profile and showed a, a a very marked increase in protein synthesis relative to breakdown in the subjects gotten the, with the heel such that after the five days of uh, simulated uh, rancher training that they actually have lost far less muscle, barely lost any muscle as compared to the significant loss of muscle mass in those that got the placebo so that uh, um, it's I think very relevant to any sort of endurance sport that at the peak of training, it's quite often that you're not actually eating enough calories to match the the, uh, caloric requirement. And that puts your muscle in a tougher spot than normal. Uh, For example, we did a study in uh, Olympic swimmers. It was an interesting study because uh, This was about a month before the Olympics in uh, Barcelona and it was uh, with the women's uh, endurance swimming team, which uh, uh, I think it's kind of a unique uh, group because uh, one of the few studies where every subject won a gold medal in the Olympics a month later. So it was an elite group and uh, they were using uh, uh, almost 6,000 calories a day and eating about two to three thousand calories a day and the result is that their training profile was would be that they would train for four days and take the fifth day off but basically just eat all day and uh and of course they're missing that day of training and what we did uh, as a simple intervention was cut down the training a little uh, recommended cutting down the training a little bit but also that they had a uh, uh a bottle of gator a uh, our gator load which is a very high cal- caloric uh, uh, substitute, that that uh, that they drink at the end of every lap, and just by increasing caloric intake, we're able to decrease the uh, fatigue and the uh, a- ability to maintain. Uh, what we also found is that that when we did that, that the loss of muscle mass, the 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 degradation of muscle protein was also uh, reduced by maintaining an adequate uh, 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 an adequate energy intake and, and those studies were done before we actually had developed the uh, amino acid supplements so presumably the amino acid supplements coupled with the with the calories would would be uh, would have been uh, more successful than what we did just with the energy and that is in fact the way the training is done now where they are given the essential amino acids and the carbohydrate uh, but uh, uh, we don't actually have controlled data on that, but from what we know from other circumstances, that really is the key to maintaining the muscle mass in a functional way where it's being broken down because of the, the extreme exertion and the energy deficit that then this can be overcome by, uh, by eating an adequate amount of energy. But if that's not feasible, like with the ranger training, a very concentrated uh, a dose of essential amino acids can really go a long way to uh, to maintain muscle function. And
0: it almost uh, it, it sounds like too. We can almost carry this over to maybe individuals potentially that are trying to maybe lose lose some body fat, um, and they are intentionally maybe in a caloric deficit. And I I see sometimes when people are um, combining these goals, like I'm trying to perform and I'm trying to lose, lose weight or body fat, they're kind of conflicting uh, goals, because it's really hard to perform at your best when you're in that deficit. I'm not saying, hey, this will be an excuse. So you don't have to eat enough calories. But maybe if it's a a period where you are trying to cut down um, and and lose weight, this, uh, we know it's it not it's we're trying to lose body fat. And a lot of people, I think they just see the scale go down and think everything's good. Um, But if we're just in that deficit, maybe not Meeting adequate levels of protein and amino acids, we're seeing much more than body fat drop. So this might yeah, be that's a way a great to, point. And, to help. And we
1: have we have done studies in weight loss, and uh, there's no there's no doubt that uh, muscle loss uh, accompanies that. So if you're trying to reduce body weight to improve performance, this is a real uh, dichotomy because you don't want to lose muscle function and and. Uh, We've done studies in uh, a couple of different twists of weight loss. One of which being uh, bariatric surgery, where the weight loss is t- tremendous, but uh, also in people with much less uh, uh, overweight that are are trying to drop some weight. And uh, there are a couple of aspects to appreciate. One of which is this, this whole process of muscle protein synthesis and breakdown, or muscle protein turnover, that we're fueling with uh, the essential amino acids consumes energy that, that ATP, in the form of ATP in the body so that as you um, maintain the dietary essential amino acid intake through low-cal uh, supplementation of free essential amino acids, you stimulate muscle protein turnover, which increases metabolic rate, so that they actually, we, we see with uh, weight loss in subjects given the essential amino acids as opposed to a placebo that we get a uh, not only a greater loss of fat mass and greater retention of muscle mass but that the energy expenditure associated with the metabolic response to the essential amino acids actually helps increase the weight rate of of, uh, loss of body fat because it's the fat oxidation that really fuels the uh, muscle protein turnover so that uh the, the the example, the sort of extreme example is trying to make weight for wrestling or other uh, weight category sports where uh, uh, you have to cut down the caloric intake, but you really, it's essential to maintain uh, muscle function. And, and, and for example, uh, our uh, uh, heel product uh, has for, for a dose of, of uh, heel has only 45 calories. So that this is uh a trivial amount of calories relative to the total expenditure they have over the day so that uh, we're really doing this whole process in a way that doesn't prevent weight loss but does maintain better functioning muscle mass and function uh while you lose the weight yeah and and
0: i hope that all that came clear for for all the the listeners out there um whether it's you're intentionally trying to, to maybe drop body fat um to, to, you know, maybe to make racing a little bit easier, or like you said, maybe you're just in a really hard phase of your training and you're pushing yourself really hard and maybe you're just not intentionally, uh, not eating enough, but it it happens sometimes. This is a great way to do everything possible to help, uh, maintain that muscle function. So you can still perform at hopefully a peak level. Um, you know, I try and recommend, this is why I like an off season versus an in season, right? You can focus your off season and if you need to cut weight or focus on those things and then in season, it can be more about performance, but in, you know, some people that doesn't work and and you have to do the best you can with, with what you have available.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. The uh, off season versus in season, because uh, I, I always did that cycling with uh, uh, running and and uh, the, uh, uh, the key really during season is always to actually keep weighing yourself to make sure you're maintaining body weight, because if you are dropping body weight, you're probably going to have a negative impact on performance, but you don't want extra body fat. And it's really better to do that in an off season when uh, uh, you may lose a little muscle function associated with that, but uh, the, the priority is losing the body fat. you still have the same issues. You want to maintain as much muscle as possible, and lose fat, but I think even uh, with the the strenuous exercise that uh, the maintenance of energy intake for optimal performance is still a key factor. And I I wouldn't want to imply that our studies that the uh, essential amino acids uh, override the importance of energy balance, Uh, it's just they go beyond energy balance to uh, optimize the nature of your body composition after the weight loss
0: yeah absolutely absolutely uh so we've uh you've mentioned heal um and also uh, another product is perform and i'd love to know or just have an explanation of um you know kind of different differences that we would see Uh, i think the the name kind of implies the usage but just kind of how how they were composed um to, to meet the needs sure. of the person. Uh,
1: the, the heel is, uh, as I said, specifically targets uh, muscle regeneration after uh, a strenuous exercise uh, or injury or any circumstance that uh, results in uh, uh, some acceleration of muscle breakdown relative to muscle protein synthesis. This is, uh, the clinical trials we did were specifically uh, one in knee replacement, one in uh, hip replacement as kind of very standardized stresses that uh, result in a physiological loss of muscle mass and, and its targets the exact formulation necessary to optimally regenerate muscle protein. Perform is an uh, entirely different sort of uh, approach. And that is that, it, that it, uh, it, again, it's essential amino acids, acids but and, that, and the formulation does have some beneficial effect on muscle protein, but that's not really the target and not the formulation. The target is to optimize the neurotransmitter balance in the brain. The essential amino acids are not only important in muscle protein, but the neurotransmitters in our brain are all produced from the essential amino acids. And the two key ones that we're focused on in training is, are dopamine and serotonin. Both, of, both dopamine and serotonin are derived from essential amino acids, the dopamine from the, the phenylalanine and tyrosine, the uh, serotonin from tryptophan, these are both essential amino acids. Uh, and uh, the balance between dopamine and, and uh, serotonin really dictates how alert and how much mental focus we have. So that if you're feeling uh, really alert and uh, raring to go, the dopamine will predominate over the serotonin. If you're getting sleepy and fati- feeling fatigued, the that f- the, the uh, serotonin will predominate over the uh, over this, uh, over the dopamine. So that we formulated the amino acids so that we activate the process of production of dopamine relative to the production of serotonin, so that it's a physiological approach to increasing uh, the alertness and focus and uh, the energy level. As you do a prolonged endurance exercise, the uh, uh, precursors for the dopamine tend to drop and the precursors for the uh, production of serotonin rise so that you have what's called the central fatigue, where you're physically able to do more, but you're mentally just so tired that, that uh, that's really the driving force in limiting your performance and, and often stopping what we're doing with this is enabling you to both have the energy to get started in the workout and that's one of the things that's always been a bit of lifelong challenge for me is like uh, if i could just get out the door that's a key factor on, on uh whether I'm going to do a workout because once I've once I've done that far, I was like, okay, I can I can do it now, <laughs> and and so that's an important factor. But uh, also sustaining that energy and focus throughout in a physiological way, not through uh, uh, you know certainly people use caffeine for the same purpose, but it's not really a, caffeine isn't really a physiological approach to it, and can also result in sort of a caffeine crash before you're ready to uh, quit the the workout and and have other side effects in terms of the GI. Whereas uh, with the Perform, we do also reduce to some extent the loss of muscle protein that occurs during during exercise. As I said, it's not targeting muscle protein, but it's still the, um, so the profile isn't optimal for muscle protein, but it's still the essential amino acids that go into muscle protein. So we're able to accomplish that, but the primary focus of the perform is uh, alertness and uh, uh, mental energy and focus.
0: Well, that's that's really interesting. I, I think that's a great um, uh, uh, thing to bring up because I have a feeling when most people hear amino acids, they just assume something mus- muscular and, and that's it. Um, but that's interesting to hear that the, the formulation was uh more on the brain's effect because uh I think that's that's a great point. Um that when that brain says enough, uh the muscles might be able to go, but that's usually it right there. So if, yeah. if you can attack the limiting factor, that's a huge um benefit.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, it's been kind of an interesting uh uh history of the study of these amino acids because when I first started with the notion of uh Essential amino acid dietary supplements. It was the challenge was always to explain why is this different than uh, branched chain amino acid or or leucine alone or or uh, you know what's the difference. And it was always a case of having to explain that that the muscle protein is made up of uh, contains nine essential amino acids, and if you only eat three of them, which is the case with branched chain amino acids, that you're going to run short of the others and that you need essential amino acids and I think over time people now are much more uh, aware of the whole concept of needing all the essential amino acids but I think it's much less appreciated that the actual formulation or the profile has a significant different impact on different physiological systems and I have 14 patents on different applications of specific formulations of essential amino acids that are wide ranging including reducing liver fat and uh, improving immune function, and uh, the you know so so that they're the the importance of these essential amino acids is not just in general, but the specific way in which we can formulate the uh, uh, composition of the dietary supplements really has a direct impact on specific uh, metabolic processes that we're targeting, and it may have other beneficial effects that are generally related to uh, amino acid nutrition, but uh, but that the target is a specific uh, metabolic alteration, and of course, as athletes, we're more, mostly interested in muscle. But but there are other factors that are important in performance. And uh, as you said, the brain once the brain goes, uh, it, it doesn't really matter how much uh, <laughs> uh, uh, energy you have in the tank. In reality, uh, you're gonna you're gonna run low.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I and I, I think it's. Um... This is such an important point that I hope everybody is, is going to take home from this is that idea about this formulation that that just, you know, a protein is not well, proteins aren't equal, right? They have this different whether I'm consuming it, um, they're going to have the different amino acid profile and, and from supplementation, all are different. So um, that, that makes total sense that the specific ones you formulated are targeting these key areas. So would it would it make sense? Um to combine these even, right? So if uh, like a perform to help me get getting ready for a workout and then the heel to help recover from afterwards if it was an intense one. Yeah,
1: that's exactly the intent the that I have and the way I uh, approach the uh, 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 supplementation is I take the perform about a half hour before I start exercise and the heel immediately following exercise and then later in the day, usually they take the more general uh, uh, life, which is uh, a profile designed for older people. And as I said, I'm 76. So unfortunately, that one's targeting a, a useful uh, uh, aspect for me as well. So that they all have a different role. The life is not really related specifically to the exercise. The exercise approach is they perform before you start, That'll maintain your energy throughout the exercise, and the recovery period is enhanced with the heel. Those are really the targets for the uh, for the uh, uh, growth of muscle. And if you want to to further stimulate that, if you're older, later in the day or at some other time of the day, the life is a, is a, is appropriate. But for younger people, the the heel is still going to be beneficial, even uh, not immediately following the exercise.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I have uh, the Heal Perform right here. Uh, a huge fan of, of both of these and really enjoy adding those to, to my regular routine. Um, uh, Dr. Wolf, I've taken up a lot of your time. I really appreciate you coming on and educating all of us on uh, essential amino acids and how they might play an important role in our, our training uh, for those of you listening, uh, don't forget, you can head on over to aminocode.com slash OCR. You can check out the Heal Perform as well as all the other uh, amino essential amino acid formulations uh, that are on there. And uh, don't forget, if you use code OCR, you'll get 30% off your order. Uh, so Dr. Wolf, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on today.
1: Okay. Thanks very much. I enjoyed it. And I'm glad to have the chance to talk about amino acids. It's my favorite topic.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. That's going to do it for episode 100 of the OCR Underground Show. Again, I can't believe it's been a hundred episodes, uh, whether this has been your first episode or if you somehow managed to listen to every single one of them, uh, I really appreciate you, you uh, tuning in. And- I would love it if you subscribe to to the podcast and uh, if you have a few minutes, I'd love a review and uh, let me know what you think of the show. I hope it's been helpful in your journey trying to uh maximize your performance in obstacle course racing and as always i want to thank uh the guests that, that appear on the show uh this was a great interview i hope you got a lot out of uh, my chat with dr robert wolf um again check out the amino company one of the sponsors of the show they have some really great uh, products also don't forget the adara scale um track uh, with both of those uh, they passed on some pretty cool savings to the listeners of this show again check out the show notes uh, ocrunderground.com slash episode dash uh, 100 to get all the coupon codes and links so you can check out some of those great products all right well that's going to do it until episode 101 you guys keep training smart.